Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and Schools, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Come to you each morning at about 9 a.m., uh, with the exception of Sunday morning, where we have divine service at 9.30. And today we're going to continue our catechesis um, with the end of the kingdom of Judah. Really, it ended yesterday with Josiah's death. Um, from here on out, the kingdom will never be restored, um, <laughs> despite modern attempts, I suppose. Uh, the, every king after Josiah is a puppet king, uh, set up by foreign leaders. and They're not really a kingdom, they're just a vassal state at that point. All right? Um, and of course, then we'll also hear how God's people, um, when their state has been corrupted and falls, uh, how they respond to God's word. They don't like it. All right, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, memory verse. They all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Jeremiah 31, verse 34. Let's try it again. Say it with me. They all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Jeremiah 31, verse 34. All right, our psalm for this week, Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name 
forever and ever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, let me get my coffee here. All right. So, our first reading today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I say again, let no one think me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool, that I may boast a little. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting, seeing that that many boast according to the flesh, I also will boast. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with, with it if one thinks you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. To our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, and deaths often. For the, From the Jews, five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches." Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble, and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor, under Ariadus the king, was guarding the city of of the Damascenes with a garrison, desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. There ends the reading. Uh, This is just one of my favorite readings from Paul. Um, And it's been a long, we've had a couple chapters actually now, of um, foolish talking, all right? Um, We would call this sarcasm, (laughs) I think, right? But speaking as a fool is to speak sarcastically, right? And that uh, playing the devil's advocate, you might say, is another way that this kind of comes off. Um, So he's putting himself... He's speaking in the way that his opponents have been speaking in order to show how absurd their speech is, right? And I think uh, in, a, in a society or a culture like ours, where we have freedom of speech, at least on paper, if not actually, um, one of the best ways to, bring, to expose just the futility or the weakness or the absurdity of, of an argument is actually to mock it shamelessly. Now, I know this makes you look like not a nice person. Right, but you have to point out the absurdity. If you don't point out the absurdity, um, it's and if it's allowed to stand as a legitimate argument, rather than um, you know having probably one or more uh, logical fallacies, for example, uh, if you allow it to just be considered as a a sane argument, um, you really forfeit. Actually, I think the position that you have. uh, So maybe try to give you an example of this. Um, so you've seen this actually uh, very, very much so in the political context these days, right? So we go and fight um, a war to protect the border of 
Ukraine, from Russia, whereas, but we don't fight to protect our own border, right? So you look at that and you're like, your your argument for protecting Ukraine, it, it loses its validity because you don't apply that even to your own sovereignty, right? Okay. So, I mean, you've seen that in political context. And and it's it's the one of the best ways to expose an argument. Well, that's what Paul's doing here. His opponents have been speaking um, as if they have something to boast in and of themselves, right? And then Paul just lays it out, showing if anyone has anything to, any weakness to boast in, it's, he does, right? And he has this, like, this litany uh, beginning uh, verse 23, right? He says, are they ministers of Christ? Here I speak as a fool, or sarcastically, I am more, and labor's more abundant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then he gives this whole list all the way through, right? Um, but then at the end, of course, my besides the other things, my deep concern for all the churches, right? So I think that's in seriousness, right? But again, all of that boasting, it's worthless, right? It doesn't matter how much you suffer um, for the sake of the message. It's the message that matters, right? The Lord, the message of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, right? So uh, all other sorts of uh, speech is foolish. Well, you know, we're weak and we're powerless or you know, look at how we've been given to suffer, and so that makes us uh, more significant. No, no. Uh, the truth of the word isn't dependent upon you, and that's what Paul's trying to emphasize here by pointing out how weak his and his opponent's arguments are. These who claim to be, um, you know, have suffered more than anyone else. And on the basis of that, you should listen to them. All right. Um, I think this is an important argument to take into mind. I, I've, I've heard this a little bit more recently that, well, um, if people hate you because you're a Christian, um, then you're doing it right. That kind of argument. Well, you know, if you're if you're being persecuted for the sake of Christ, then clearly you're believing the right thing. Well, not necessarily. You may be being persecuted because you've been an idiot, right? <laughs> okay, or you haven't spoken clearly. Um, so your confession still matters, right? And you may actually confess Christ and nothing happened to you, right? So again, don't look to your own life as evidence, right? That um, Either that you've believed correctly, you've spoken correctly, you've spoken the truth, I should say. That's what I mean by correctly. Um, that may happen, right? And that may confirm the message. It may not. It may actually show that you've gone after um, a false version of Christ, for example. Right? So that's what Paul's trying to point out here. The key is the message, right? Not um, the experience. Experience may come. It may not. It may each, each is given uniquely in that regard. All right, very good. Right, so it may be that you end up like Jeremiah. It may be that God gives you uh, deliverance from this sort of persecution that Jeremiah experiences. So be it. Right. Either way. Speaking of Jeremiah, uh, we're going to hear about Jeremiah's account of King Zedekiah. We're skipping a few kings, a few of the other sons of Josiah. It, what's interesting, if you go look at say uh, Chronicles or Kings, you'll see that um, you know that battle that Josiah got involved with that we heard about yesterday. Um, Let's see, where was it? Oh, it was in Carchemish, right? Uh, and then also um, in Megiddo, right? From which we get Armageddon, by the way. Um, the, those That battle was in north of Syria, the northern part of Syria, and it was between the Egyptians and the Babylonians, which means that Judah is caught in between, right? And so then after Josiah is injured and dies, um, Josiah's sons are relatively set up as puppet kings, back and forth, back and forth between the king of Egypt and the king of Babylon, Right? They keep setting up their puppets, uh, depending on who's holding the city of, Jer of Jerusalem. Right? So we're skipping a few of those. Um, they're all puppet kings. Right? And now we're going to hear of, uh, of Zedekiah. All right? And this is from Jeremiah's own account. 
Now King Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, reigned instead of Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah. But neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land gave heed to the words of the Lord, which he spoke by the prophet Jeremiah. Then Zedekiah, the king, sent Jehuchal, the son of Shelemiah, and Zephaniah, the son of Maaseiah, the priest, to Jeremiah, saying, Pray now to the Lord our God for us. Now Jeremiah was coming and going among the people, for they had not yet put him in prison. Then Pharaoh's army came up from Egypt, and when the Chaldeans who were besieging Jerusalem heard news of them, they departed from Jerusalem. See? Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Thus you shall say to the king of Judah, who sent you to me to inquire of me, quote, Behold, Pharaoh's army, which has come up to help you, will return to Egypt to their own land. And the Chaldeans shall come back and fight against this city and take it and burn it with fire. Thus says the Lord, Do not deceive yourselves, saying, The Chaldeans will surely depart from us, for they will not depart. For though you had defeated the whole army of the Chaldeans who fight against you, and there remained only wounded men among them, they would rise up, every man in his tent, and burn the city with fire. And it happened, when the army of the Chaldeans left the siege of Jerusalem for fear of Pharaoh's army, that Jeremiah went out of Jerusalem to go into the land of Benjamin to claim his property there among the people. And when he was in the gate of Benjamin, a captain of the guard was there, whose name was Erijah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Hananiah. And he seized Jeremiah the prophet, saying, You are defecting to the Chaldeans. Then Jeremiah said, False, I'm not defecting to the Chaldeans. But he did not listen to him. So Erijah seized Jeremiah and brought him to the princes. Therefore the princes were angry with Jeremiah, and they struck him and put him in prison in the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they had made that the prison. When Jeremiah entered the dungeon in the cells, and Jeremiah had remained there many days, then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out. The king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, There is. Then he said, You shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Moreover, Jeremiah said to king Zedekiah, What offense have I committed against you, against your servants, or against this people, that you have put me in prison? Where now are your prophets who prophesied to you, saying, The king of Babylon will not come against you or against this land? Therefore, please hear now, O Lord, my lord the king. Please let my petition be accepted before you, and do not make me return to the house of Jonathan the scribe, lest I die there. Then Zedekiah the king commanded that they should commit Jeremiah to the court of the prison, and that they should give him daily a piece of bread from the baker's street, until all the bread in the city was gone. Thus Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. All right, plenty of things here to talk about. Um, the king of Babylon, who was, what was his name? We meet him here. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar, or as I like to call him, Chad, for short, you see? Chad, get it? Okay, never mind. Uh, <laughs> notice that he set up of Zedekiah to reign instead of Coniah, or Coniah, excuse me, right? He appointed as a puppet king. What happened when Jeremiah preached? Verse 2. Neither the king, Zedekiah, nor the people of the land, they listened, paid attention to the words of the prophet of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. What did Zedekiah ask, though, in verse 3? Yeah. Uh, Pray to the Lord our God for us. Right? Maybe hedging his bets a bit here. What do we know about Jeremiah's condition at that point? Verse 4, right? Uh, At this point, 
he's free to go uh, in and out, <laughs> come and go, uh, because he's not yet been thrown into prison, telegraphing a bit, right? What's going to come? Um, so what were the uh, Chaldeans doing at this time? They set up Zedekiah as king, but notice what they're doing. They're besieging Jerusalem at the same time, right? Uh, but then withdrew from Jerusalem when they heard that the Egyptians are coming, the redcoats, the Egyptians are coming, the Egyptians are coming, right? Marching out to confront uh, Babylon, the Babylonians, right? Again, Judah gets caught in the middle between these two great kingdoms uh, of the day. What word of the Lord was Jeremiah given to speak? See this in verse 7. Yeah, Pharaoh's army is going to come out uh, and help, right? Drive off the Babylonians. Um, but then they're going to return to Egypt and not support Judah, right? And then what, what did the Lord say about what was going to happen with the Babylonians? Yeah, they're going to come right back, uh, attack Jerusalem, and this time, they're pretty much done with Jerusalem. They're going to burn it with fire. You see that in verse 10, all right? Um, in specific, what's interesting about this victory? And this is, a, this is really um, a prophetic word from God, isn't it? No matter no matter how defeated the Babylonians are, they're still going to accomplish this work, right? Remember, this is God's judgment against uh, his people for their rebellion, for his, their unwillingness to repent and believe his word, right? To be converted. That's the key, right? And he's using foreign kings to accomplish um, his good and gracious will, right? That they repent and believe the gospel. It does mean they're going to suffer in this life uh, and be taken into exile because of their rebellion, all right, Jeremiah then leaves for fear of Pharaoh's army, right? Went out to his own land, uh, claimed the property of his people, uh, the Benjamin. He's from the tribe of Benjamin, apparently, right? But what does Erijah, one of the priests, captain of the guard, I should say, accuse him of? Yeah, defecting to the Babylonians, also known as the Chaldeans. You notice it goes back and forth here, All right? And uh, so then, as a result... Even though that's a false accusation, what do they do? Yeah, they strike him, they beat him, they arrest him, they throw him, imprison him into the vaulted cell of a dungeon, right? But then, again, Zedekiah secretly, this is very interesting, um, calls to Jeremiah, right? Uh, to come and give him a word from the Lord, right? But secretly, hmm, for fear of the people, maybe. And what word of the Lord did Jeremiah speak to Zedekiah? Yeah, he personally uh, will be handed over to the king of Babylon. Um, then notice the question that he asks of Zedekiah. What offense have I committed against you? Right? What crime have I committed that you've put me into prison? This sounds familiar. Um, kind of flip it a little bit, though. Think John 18, right? Pilate asks um, Jesus what crime he has committed, right? What have you done? It's the same kind of question here. And uh, you'll see this in the laments of Jeremiah, right? Um, which we could put into the words of Christ, and we do so on uh, Good Friday, right? What have you done to me, O my people? How have, or what have I done to you, O my people? How have I offended you, right? Same question, right? What offense? Of course, um, he's committed no offense, well, against their flesh, right? And calling them to repentance, right? And the judgment of their sin. Um, but really the offense is they're offended by God not by Jeremiah in particular. Uh, note here, you find out what's going on with the king and why things have been going sideways here. Ze uh, Jeremiah asks Zedekiah, what, what about your prophets who've been saying to you the complete opposite of what I've been saying, right? Saying that the king of Babylon will not come out against you and against this land, right? So now we have the word of God's prophet against the 
the lies of the false prophets, right? And the king is caught. Um, I, I think the king recognizes the falseness of their message, right? So then uh, Jeremiah is given to ask of a benefit, right? Don't um, put me into the house, right? Into the vaulted dungeon, but rather um, Zedekiah puts him into the courtyard of the prison uh, where Jeremiah would be given bread each day from the Baker Street until there's finally no more bread, right? So you see Zedekiah shows some mercy on him, despite not really probably liking the message that Jeremiah preaches. All right, so then meditation. The refusal to hear the word of the Lord was the reason for Jerusalem's downfall. Zedekiah had his own prophets who spoke what he wanted to hear, rather than the prophets who called him to repentance. Even when Zedekiah beat Jeremiah and and placed him into prison, he could not destroy the word of the Lord, which endures forever. As Jesus would say, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. All right. So it seems Zedekiah, much like Saul, you know, the first king, um, so the last king here, Zedekiah, is uh, double-minded. Yeah. All right, let's confess uh, our catechism for this week. What is the office of the keys? The office of the keys is that special authority which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners, but to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant as long as they do not repent. Where is this written? This is what St. John the Evangelist writes in chapter 20. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What do you believe according to these words? I believe that when the called ministers of Christ deal with us by his divine command, in particular, when they exclude openly unrepentant sinners from the Christian congregation and absolve those who repent of their sins and want to do better, this is just as valid and certain, even in heaven, as if Christ our dear Lord dealt with us himself. All right, you can see how that applies to the uh, word of repentance spoken by God's prophets here throughout um, the, the acts or the days of the kings, right? Uh, if you refuse to heed the word of the prophet, right, it does not go well for you. Um, forgiveness is withheld, right? The temple um, becomes clo- a closed uh, building to you, and the book of the law becomes, well, frankly, <laughs> as you reject it, it becomes hidden from you, right? Uh, but for those who repent, who believe the gospel again, um, there is forgiveness, right? That doesn't mean that there won't be any consequence for your rebellion. That rebellion um, needs to be constantly kept in check because it comes from your flesh, right? But there is forgiveness before God in heaven. So the way that you hear God's uh, prophet, the preacher whom he sends to you, well, that's how you're hearing the Lord himself, right? And, and as much as uh, he preaches and teaches according to God's word. All right. So we've heard about the false prophets, right? Listening to them does you no good. All right, speaking of receiving the ministry of a pastor or prophet, we pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of the office of the Holy Ministry. Give faithfulness to my pastor as he calls me to repentance and faith in your Son. Strengthen me to believe that when my pastor deals with me by Christ's divine command, whether he excludes me from the Lord's Supper for a time in order to call me to repentance, or absolves me when by the grace of God I repent my sins of my sins and want to do better, This is just as valid and certain, even in heaven, as if Christ, my dear Lord, dealt with me himself, through the same Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Amen. And we pray, O God, in the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. In the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshadowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully make us co-heirs with the King in his glory, and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 
We pray this day for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children live in ordered harmony according to the Word of God, for parents who must rear their children alone, for our communities and neighborhoods. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. We pray for our households, especially this week with Dan and Bonnie, Doug, Kara, Kyle, Ron and Joan, Chad and Jolene. We continue to give thanks to God for the birth of Carson John. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Bev, Kelsey, Amanda, Dan, Brad, Timothy, and Janice, Ken, Norm, Kathy, and Jim, Jim, Mike, and Donna. Pray for our homebound, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially this month with Sheboygan Area Lutheran High School. We pray in intercession for all those in government and those under authority. And we continue to pray with Donna at the death of her brother, Randy. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing uh, our Epiphany hymn here. I know Epiphany technically ended on Sunday, but we'll sing it all week. Great. Next Sunday begins the Gesimas. All right. O God of God, O light of light. Good will to men, 
sung once by firstborn sons of light. It echoes now, but will amen. That life of truth, those deeds of love, that death so steeped in hate and scorn, these all are past and now above. He reigns our King, once crowned with thorn. Lift up your heads, O mighty kings, so sing that most beyond our kin. Lift up your heads, your King awaits, we lift them up. Amen, amen. Then raise to Christ a mighty song, and shout his name, his mercies tell. Sing heavenly host your praise, prolong, and all on earth your anthem swell. All hail, O Lamb, for sinners slain, forever let the song ascend. Worthy the Lamb, enthroned to reign, all glory, power, amen, amen. All right, good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Wednesday, so that means that this evening we have divine service at 7 p.m. I encourage you to uh, make the drive. Uh, the weather's fine. Uh, you know, come out and uh, receive God's Word and sacrament this evening. Uh, we'll be hearing about the con- conversion of St. Uh, Peter, right? Is that right? No, conversion of St. Paul? Whatever it is this evening. <laughs> I have it in my head. Now I lost it, right? Uh, we're going back and catching some of the festivals we missed here in the last couple of weeks. We'll be doing that until we get uh, into Lent. Of course, in Lent, we'll have uh, regular midweek service as uh, we do, as our tradition has been. All right. So, Lord's blessings to you all. Uh, be with you this day and always, and we'll see you uh, this evening or tomorrow morning.